good position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number 232 of the best Linux games podcast being recorded for you on this Friday, the 5th of April, 2019 at uh, 22.35 p.m. at 10.35 Pacific Coast time. Left coast, coast of the most time. Crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth holding up the whiskey sign. Ah, yes, it's a good idea, Ivor. It's a good idea. But you forgot to remind me to inform our listeners of the one true time and date format. The sequel format. You are fired, Ivor! You are fired! That would make it 2019-04-05. p.m. Pacific Coast time. Now to the whiskey. Cheers, friends and neighbors. Mm. Now that we have eliminated Ivor, our plan can finally come together and we will rule the world ah uh, no Ivor did I mention that you're fired and no I'm not kidding this time you're fired like for reals for realsies pack your shit quit crying pack your shit hit the bricks fuckwad alright so we have a big show for you this week um 
straight to our top stories. Uh, first of all, uh, this is a, one of a running type of show that we uh, do every so often. This is a What I Am Playing episode for April 2019. Uh, that, that's just a fancy excuse for saying that there was not a single game that we could feature this week that um, that was bigger than the cumulative whole of the games that I've been playing since we last met last week. So, um, well, before we get to before we get to our feature, we have our top stories. Um, first off, uh, a game that I've been very interested in since I bought it. I th- I mentioned it on the show. I think. Somewhere between one to three months ago is so difficult to keep track of this shit. Um, I mean, it's why I write it down, but I'm not going to actually go look it up, so, you know, blah. Um, game is called The Hong Kong Massacre, and it's a top-down, uh, ultra-violent, hyper-realistic, um, shooter, a la, like, uh, the Chagun Fa movies, Jet Li movies, uh, you know, hard boiled, etc., etc., etc. Um, and the last time I tried to run uh, the Hong Kong massacre, which was, you know, somewhere between one and three months ago, um, I got no character sprites and stuff, and uh, I had some time, so I was just checking through since I updated uh, my Nvidia drivers to four point uh, four eighteen uh, post Proton four point two or whatever the fuck it is coming out. I've been going through old games that, you know, I couldn't get to work previously and all of a sudden the character sprites have appeared. I think it does require the MF Platt Media Media Foundation uh, fix uh, similar to Resident... I'm not sure about this. Similar to Resident Evil 2 or Devil May Cry 5. And I'm writing a script that does that pretty much automatically um... So I'll be experimenting with that because I still can't see the cutscenes. But that game now works. It's it's playable now, quote unquote playable. It's not. It's far from platinum because there's no cutscenes. So it's like I don't understand what the fuck is happening or what the story is. But I can see the character and I can see the enemy characters and I can see my guns as they blaze. I mean, you start with akimbo pistols, so it's like I'm I'm all in. So I thought I would mention that. Uh, also in our top stories, Linux Fest Northwest. Hello, Bellingham. For the 20th Linux Fest Northwest, 20th anniversary of Linux Fest Northwest. I think this will be our sixth or seventh time. It is being held in Bellingham, Washington. Glorious Bellingham, Washington, about an hour and a half outside of Seattle, Washington. Do not be confused, gentle listener, though. Bellingham, Washington has a palindromatic that's a neologism right there. Has a palindrome counterpart, a doppelganger, an evil doppelganger, because it's in Bellingham, WA, that'd be Washington. Do not be confused, gentle listener. Do not book your tickets to fly to the evil twin counterpart where the Microsoft Fest Northwest is happening. That would be in Bellingham, Massachusetts. Bellingham M.A. Bellingham W.A. Now no swims on Mun. You know now no swims on Mun, right? Now no swims on Mun. Now no swims on Mun. 
They went from house to house. And you can't turn that around. But anyway, Linux Fest Northwest, we are excited that we have booked our, our plane ticket. We're flying first class this time because there were no direct flights to Bellingham from Las Vegas, which is a fucking nightmare. Um, and so, and we booked late and they shut down our normal hotel that we normally stay at the Hampton Inn. But the Hampton Inn is closed for uh, renovations as it, you know, uh, morphs into a Hilton-owned property, I guess. So we're staying at the Marriott this year in a 400-square-foot suite. So if you're going to Linux Fest Northwest, which is the 24th, we'll be there from the 25th to the 28th. That's a Thursday to a Sunday. And we will be doing the podcast as we've done for, I guess, three... I can't remember if we did our first year. I think we actually did a podcast from... so, And I missed one year, so this is like four and a half years of the podcast. So this will be like our fourth episode that we've done from Linux Fest, Nor- Linux Fest Northwest. Super fun time. Awesome town in the Pacific Northwest. Um, a stone's throw away from Seattle. So if you're going to be there... Uh, hit me up on the Twitter, on the DM, or just, you know, a Twitter post. Uh, I am at Vegas Writer, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll meet up. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time at LFNW uh, running the hallway track and also the bar track. The bar track starts on the first Friday at exactly... 10.45 a.m. Uh, and I go to the little Tiki Lounge bar over there. But I also go to Extremes, and I, I'm centrally located. I think. I've never stayed at the Marriott. I, I much prefer to stay at the Hampton Inn so we could, you know, it's like been the traditional base of operations. I don't know where game night is this year, but we'll figure it all out. And if you're coming, which you should do, if you live in the continental United States, especially on the West Coast, go to Linux Fest Northwest. Um, they don't have direct flights from Vegas though, which is weird because this is like the first time I've not been able to get a direct flight. Not even Allegiant has a direct flight to Bellingham. Uh, that might be because all their planes have crashed, but I don't know. Anyway, Linux Fest Northwest, the 20th year anniversary of LFNW. This month, 20, 25th to the 28th. Uh, normally games night is on the Friday so that would be the 26th through the 28th 28th is a Sunday so Friday through Sunday er, yeah Friday through Friday through Sunday we will all be getting stoned and fucked up and drunk and we will, it's like a party inside your mouth where all your friends are invited it is 2,000 of the smartest people that you've ever met in your entire life at least it was last year, it was way packed last year, but it's a chillaxed atmosphere it's not a it's not a convention, it is not a sales convention it is a festival exclusively to celebrate Linux everything in Bellingham via Uber is exactly 6 minutes away from everything else in Bellingham via Uber, and there are like 50 Ubers in Bellingham at all times and each one of those trips is like $10 maybe 13 with a tip um you know like tipping like you know 
somewhere between three and five dollars per trip. So it's like it's great. You can like jet set around. It's super fun. I'm really looking forward to it this year. Uh, can't wait to see the guys from Jupiter Broadcasting. Popey, Alan Pope. I is that his name? Is his name first name Alan? I've been calling him Popey for like seven years now. Anyway, he's he's going to be talking. Um, tons of talks. Tons of great stuff. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's like a, it's like a fucking, it's like flavor country. If you live in Linux world, as I do, so frequently alone, maligned, desperate, insane, clawing your way towards the future, one desperate first day, then first hour, then day, then week, then month, then year, and then half decade, then decade, then decade and a half with Linux. Come meet your friends, your buddies out of nowhere at Linux Fest Northwest. That's what I have to say about that. Um, Also, many thanks to the Linux Game Consortium, LGC, who uh, we're friends with on our Discord and etc. And in general, and on Twitch and stuff. LGC, they have a great website, but special thanks to Todd, uh, who runs LGC, for hipping me earlier this week to the fact that uh, Dirt 4 um, came out with a feral port, a feral interactive, did a native Linux port of Dirt 4 this week. Um, it ran okay. It ran actually totally fine via Proton for me. There were some performance issues though because it is a fucking it's an intense game. Um, I have not tried the native version of it yet, but I thought that for those purists who do listen to the show still, um, they might be interested that Feral Interactive... I love you, Feral Interactive! Oh my god! I'm, I'm just thinking about you for one more second. I'm almost there. Oh, I love you, Feral! I love you so much. <laughs> Alright, now I have to change my pants. Um, But Feral has come out with their Dirt 4. Dirt 4 is a game. It's a it's a driving game. You know, it's like Gran Turismo. It's, it's the modern equivalent of Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo 2, Gran Turismo 28, etc. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I can't remember what they call that type of racing. But it's not Dirt Rally 2. If you want to hear about Dirt Rally 2, go listen to our full review, or or our feature on it from a couple months ago. This is Dirt 4. Native port. Big deal. Big deal. So, there you go. That brings us to our feature. So, Ivor, base them with the feature before you pack up your shit and hit the bricks, you worthless motherfucker! So yes, this week's feature is one of our, you know, regularly running but infrequent and irregular uh, features that we run. Uh, Another exciting installment of the all-time interweb classic best-loved favorite 
segment of this show of the best Luchas podcast. Another installment of what I'm playing. What happens when I play 17 different games and five of them during one week are suitable for feature. First of all, what I'm playing this week. Many thanks go out for our first title, uh, which we covered last week during, like, within a day of its release, Risk of Rain 2. Many props and thanks go out to our buddy, um, I don't know what he's calling himself these days, but Boldy, uh, on the Discord, he's Asla Windows Vista, which is a pretty funny name. Um, but he also goes as Boldy Plays. You can find a link to him in the rundown for this show, the show blurb. Um, wherever you may be experiencing it. I played last week Risk of Rain 2 for about, oh god, I want to say only like, ooh. Let's look. It says 32 minutes, which is crazy. But there's a reason for that. Bolt, I had problems with the multiplayer. Risk of Rain 2, for those of you who don't know, is the 3D... It's like actually occurs like in 3D space in a third-person shooter style, over-the-shoulder kind of a camera system. Uh, it's the 3D sequel to the original Risk of Rain, which was a pixel trash. It was a great game, pixel trash, pi- pixel trash roguelike. Try saying that when you're more whiskey. Um, side-scrolling shooter. Now, it sounds like I'm having Christopher Walken delivery. This watch, Butch. This watch. This watch up his ass, Butch. And now, I see you. I recognize your power. My Christopher Walken has gone really out of shape. That is pathetic. But anyway, Risk of Rain 2, which is still in early access, is the sequel, direct and spiritual sequel to the original Risk of Rain, which is a fantastic game, one of the first games that we ever featured on this podcast. The only reason why I've only played 32 minutes of it over the entire week is that I have had... I'm not interested in playing it in single-player mode, so I've only been playing it in multiplayer. And as of, like, last night or the night before last night, um, I, I had a, I had a, a sheet... Uh, of legal pad paper where but I threw it away because I've been making all these lists for LFNW while the shit I need to pack and stuff um, but it was somewhere between the 4th and the 7th time that I've done multiplayer in Risk of Rain 2 where it is not ended ended cleanly like I've got no after action report Sometimes it happens when everyone, including myself, dies. Sometimes it happens when everyone but me dies. Sometimes it happens randomly. I know there have been at least four times. I, um, but I cannot get the game to exit cleanly from a multiplayer match. Which is, you know, significantly hampered my enthusiasm for playing it while it is still in early access. Don't forget, this game came out last week, and by the way, the de- developers of Risk of the original Risk of Rain, we're talking like fastidious psychopaths. They will fix this before, you know, before too long, and definitely before it leaves early access. But, Boldy Lockers, or uh, Ostala Windows Vista, or whatever the fuck he's calling himself now, 
I think he calls himself Candy the Street Whore. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just I kid Candy the Street Whore. We know that she's irreplaceable. Whereas Boldy is just imminently replaceable. I'm kidding. I'm now just being an asshole. I guess I'm getting drunk. More whiskey! Oh. No, Boldy is a priceless, priceless uh, member of the community and a good friend of mine. Um, even though motherfucker f- lives in my favorite country and never mind. And I'm probably never going to be able to get to even visit there again before I die, which is a sad thing. But anyway, Boldy has also reported that he's had some difficulties with multiplayer exiting cleanly. And what this means, this actually has some severe implications for the way the game works because single player, it is almost... Boldy would disagree with me on this. He likes to play single player, but I I begged him to play some multiplayer to see if he had similar experiences to my own. Um, The thing is, like, you have to unlock stuff with experience. or At at least that's how I think the old one used to work. You unlocked character classes, and you also unlocked... I think you unlocked, maybe you unlocked moves. I don't remember. But those were like permanent unlocks and you could only get them from cumulative experience. Multiplayer is really fun in Risk of Rain 2 in early access. It is a, if you like to get high, like I do out here in Vegas where weed is legal, this is a fantastic blaster game. It is very easy to matchmake. Like you will not have to wait long for, to you know, find or start a lobby that you know populates with the requisite you know three other people almost immediately. Like I mean, we're talking like maybe ninety seconds, maybe that's on the far outside. Um, it's just a and then like people get dropped in the lobby as they quit as it tries to reconcile the connections and stuff. But like within two and a half minutes to three and a half minutes, you should be in a multiplayer game and playing. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about like the what the game is, because it is just like Risk of Rain, but in 3D, with multiple people, with three other people. Unfortunately, though, the fact that you can't actually cash out, you know, meaning like, you know, when, when you die or when everyone dies or when the game just decides to kick you from the session. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know what the problem is right now with with, uh, Risk of Rain 2 in early access, but it is still absolutely worth buying in early access just to support them because they're going to make this game absolutely fabulous, and it is an astonishingly entertaining game to play when you are really, really fucked up. Or for those of us, or for those of you who do not get fucked up on a constant basis, uh, such as myself, um, it is also a really fun game if you want a game where you can uh, entirely forget about the rest of your life. Like the rest of, you know, your real world, your real life, etc, etc. If you're looking for a stress relief, just to blast them up against, you know, uh, low-poly enemies 
in a weird, bizarre alien world that's kind of a low-res alien, kind of low-budge, low-budget. Coin in the slot, money shot. That is what Risk of Rain 2 is shaping up to be, uh, even in early access. And this game came out in early access last week. We're playing it via Proton. So, okay. Uh, Speaking of last week, um, we did our full review of Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. That would be Sekiro, S-E-K-I-R-O, Shadows Die Twice. I want to tell you about where I am in the game right now. This is spoiler-free. Um, I am, in terms of Sekiro, everything has changed. When I did the review last week, I think I was at... I was over 50 hours, so somewhere between 52 and 55 hours. Right now, I'm at 73 hours. Let me tell you what I have been doing for the last at least eight hours over the last four days. I have been fighting a boss. Well, not eight hours. Yeah, no, about eight hours. I, I've been, I haven't been writing them down, but I've been keeping pretty close mental track. Um... Masa Menos, uh, depending on the amount and quality of weed that I've ingested, I've been keeping track of my playtime, and basically, the if you just take it as, okay, so, it was somewhere between 52 and 55 hours, now I'm at 73 hours, so we'll say that it's been 8 hours of playtime since we last spoke. Just on average, it's a ballpark, okay? Those The entirety of those 8 hours have been spent fighting one boss which is hilarious because it reveals the actual construction of Sekiro is Sekiro I don't know if it's Sekiro or Sekiro 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 I don't know what the fuck I don't know how you pronounce it but Sekiro one of the funniest things about it is that the game is constructed from a design perspective almost exactly like Super Metroid Um, And this is something you only realize pretty late in the game. I think the boss that I am fighting is like three quarters of the way through the game. Because I, I had to look up some fact type of stuff for other things, which is what kind of tipped me off the fact that like, and that was last week. Um, That tipped me off to the Stunning realization, just subtly, spoiler free, that even though I thought that I was like really, really far into the game, that I was barely even at the halfway point. Um, These last eight hours, though, have been spent fighting one boss exclusively. The only other things that I've been doing for the last eight hours of gameplay in Sekiro, Shadows Day Trees, which, by the way, for those of you who don't remember um, from last week or haven't listened to last week's show, is a is the is the latest game from From Software, the same people who made uh, the um, oh god, not Dead Cells, but Dark Souls, Dark Souls series of games. This one is a high flying ninja um, extravaganza of stealth action carnage. That is heavily skills based, um, blah. But here's the here's the big news from Sekiro. I am fighting 
the guy who I am pretty sure, even though I kind of know based off of stuff I have accidentally read on the internet, I'm pretty sure still, even though I know to the contrary, I know even though I know information directly to the contrary, this guy's the last boss. But I've spent eight hours fighting him, and I will spend the rest of tonight fighting him again. This will be day four. All the time that I've spent in the last eight to ten hours again in, in the game, if it's not been directly fighting this single boss, who I will not tell you what his name is, I won't tell you, you know, blah. It has been going and grinding to get enough money to buy enough provisions to keep fighting this boss again. Easily, I have lost to this boss. Okay, let's do the math. We'll say it's eight hours, okay? And we'll say of those eight hours, six of them have been purely against this boss. On the low side, this fight against this boss, for me, on the lowest side, lasts around three minutes. He had, You have to kill him three times. I've never killed him the third time, obviously. Three minutes on the low side. I'm going to say five minutes per one of his life on the median side. So that means each time you fight him, it to get through the first two uh, of his forms, to kill him once and then to kill him a second time, I'm going to say... It's about 12 minutes. So we'll say 10 minutes on average. Blah. And then you get to the third form. And the third form, I think the longest I've lasted was a minute and a half. So those are negligible. We'll just discard those. We'll just pretend that those don't exist. So we have six hours, okay? At 10 minutes a throw on average. And I would say on average, it's more like five to eight minutes, but we'll just say 10 minutes. That means six, that means 48 times. This guy has killed me to the point where I've died the true death. That means that he has killed me twice that many times. And I know for a fact that he has killed me at least a hundred times. And I know this because of all the time I've had to spend grinding on lower levels to rebuild up my fortune so that I can get the necessary items that I need. The the buffs and the, the potions and the shit and the spirit emblems to fight him again for another, you know, two hours or whatever, which I will be doing immediately after this podcast tonight on Twitch. Check out our Twitch stream. It is, I would say it is a fine quality product of absolute insanity at this point with Sekiro. Because Sekiro, I'm sorry. Sekiro. This boss is without a doubt the most challenging boss that and this is challenging in a good way, by the way. And this is like six to ten hours I've spent on this guy. Just this guy. There are other bosses in the game where I've spent, you know, four to f- yeah, maybe five hours. I did a I did a little chart that I thought I was gonna use as this week's um album cover for, for this week's podcast but I'm not going to do it but I did a chart, it was a pie chart, an exploded pie chart you know, multi-layered 
So it showed you the breakdown of like, and that was at 61 hours. It showed you the breakdown of what amount of time in that 61 hours went to each individual aspect of the game. Like there was grinding, there were boss encounters, there was ninja uh, stealth murder, there was exploration, there was also another category which was boss encounters bad, frustrating and shitty. Because I've spent a lot of time on these two other bosses that were just cheap, some of the cheapest shit, nastiest, most irritating, unfair, I mean, really just unfair, um, ridiculously difficult, and just inane, inane and stupid and poorly designed bosses. It's like four to eight hours, because there's two bosses that are the same boss, but they're like brother and sister, or they're sister and sister, and that you meet them in different places, and uh, those two bosses suck like a motherfucker. This boss that I, I've spent six to ten hours on now is the exact opposite. This boss, it's funny, I read this so, like, you know, five hours into fighting this boss endlessly, and I'm like, I, I feel so close, I feel close every time. And it is truly a skills-based contest. I mean, it is really good. Like, you do not feel cheated when you die for the hundredth time, you don't feel cheated. Sometimes, I mean, you know, maybe maybe 2% out of that hundred times. So two times out of the hundred, you feel like you got the short, short end of the stick due to, like, the boss being cheap suddenly and switching to a different... You know. But this guy is... And I thought this before I read this in a game fact. Someone else said, and I have to say that someone else said this, but I thought it first. This boss that I am fighting right now is kind of almost like the tutorial for how you should fight in the entire rest of the game. It's almost like this guy should be the first thing that you have to fight in terms of Sekiro, in terms of Sekiro, Sekiro, in terms of mastering it. And he is that good, he is that complex, and he is really, really, really hard. He is extraordinarily difficult. In fact, he is like probably, but he's also very fair. He's more pattern-based than you would like, but there are three phases, and by the time you hit the second phase of him, he has so many tweaks to his timing and his attack patterns and the and the things that will make him do certain things that it is almost impossible to not just have to fight him as if you are literally fighting him in a sword fight there's no time for any of the fancy shit like it, yeah I mean you can use and I, I have and I will exploit further later tonight when I beat this motherfucker finally you can use some of the prosthetic weapons and upgrades and tweaks and tools and shit that you have uh, to gain a marginal advantage but just generally it is all blocking and then knowing exactly how and when to strike and uh, also knowing how to heal it is one of the most satisfying boss fights I've ever had and I haven't even beaten him yet 
We'll know more when I am exultant later on tonight, which is, this will be the fourth night that I've said that uh, to someone on the internet. People have watched. People people have watched on the, I've streamed every single one of, every time I fought this guy, I have live streamed it from the very first all the way through to last night, and I'll be live streaming it again tonight. Um, At first, when I sucked, like, we had, like, three people watching because um, I was just trying to feel out the boss. You know, just, like, d- just try to block everything, learn his attacks, learn his patterns and stuff. We had three guys watching for, like, you know, two hours. Then they all went away because I sucked, and they I think they realized that, and I was getting high and very drunk. Um, right now, I'm just getting very drunk. But I will be getting high later on. Uh, very high, as a matter of fact. Last night, though, and so for a long time, I would get like one or two viewers for hours and hours and hours because I would just keep fighting this fucking boss over and over and over and over and like Edge of Tomorrow style. And then last night, I went for like... gotta say I powered on him for like three hours at least last night and I'm really good at fighting this boss now I can't beat him yet but I still I feel closer than ever and I know I'm closer than ever and I have a strategy I have these tactics I I know what the fuck I am doing and last night I had like seven people watch me for like three hours like a whole fucking time Like, like you know first 10 minutes I got one person then the next 10 minutes I got another person and then over the next 30 minutes I got like 4 more people and then they and everyone stayed because that's how good this boss is it is a fantastic fight but anyway the bottom line about Sekiro is that um, until you find out where this boss is you don't realize that the game is basically designed there's I hate to I've said it many, many times on this podcast. I do not like the terms AAA title, and I also hate the term Metroidvania. And now I've come to completely hate the term Souls-like. Unquote. That's the one I hate the most now, because people ascribe a game being Souls-like, as in Dark Souls, to all sorts of fucking games that have absolutely no resemblance similarity or bearing or relevance to, to, to any game in the Dark Souls franchise this game in particular um, apart from the fact that it's difficult is so unlike the 20 hours I spent in Dark Souls 1 years ago at least from what I can remember the funniest thing though is Metroidvania which is another overused um, term in terms of people trying to find a shitty shorthand lingo for, you know, game design uh, in terms of, like, game criticism and game journalism, those would be the shitty game critics and game journalists, in my opinion. Not that I'm saying that if you've ever said Metroidvania that you're an idiot, but, because I've said it, I've said it at least four times in this podcast, five times now, but the thing is, Metroidvania is a term that is way overused, especially over the last three years, And ironically, there is no other game that I have played for Linux via Steam that deserves the 
the the mantle of Metroidvania more than Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is ironic because it took me until like hour 64 before before I realized it. Because that was when I realized that you can get basically to the end of the game, or at least as far as I've gotten in the game from the very beginning of the game in probably somewhere between I would say it would take me if I started a new game, it would probably take me 10 hours to get to where I am now. Not with everything I have. But this is the biggest boss that I've fought and it would take me probably about 10 hours. So... If you apply some speedrunning and the cumulative experience of 73 hours in the game already to those 10 hours, I bet you I could probably whittle that down fairly easily to maybe six hours, maybe four. And then we arrive at the edge of what is seemingly possible, which would be if you are a ninja badass with no health, no upgrades, no special fancy weapons, nothing like that. Um, only the bare minimum. And you practiced your ass off, and you were really, 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 really good at every sequence in the game. I'm not just talking about boss encounters, I'm talking about, like, travel sequences between areas, being able to stealth an entire area in, like, one throw that's a complex, you know, like, with, like, you know, seven, ten guys or whatever, and you stealth that whole area in one throw, first try in, you know, like, a minute and 45 seconds. That's how good I'm talking about. I can smell getting to the boss that I am fighting right now in about two hours, maybe even under an hour. It is awesome. So, that's, and I wanted to mention that uh, prolifically as an addendum or in a, you know, whatever to our full review of Sekiro last week. Um, it's a hard game. So I'm next, uh, or what I'm playing this week, along with the NVIDIA 418 drivers that I installed last week that fixed, um, I can't remember what game it was. Oh yeah, it fixed, it fixed Risk of Rain 2 with Proton 4.2 because it wasn't showing, um, the character models. Another game that did this to me originally was a game called The Surge. The Surge is not developed by anyone affiliated with uh, From Software. It's an entirely different game and franchise. The Surge is... Okay, so... I'm just going to tell you what the introduction to the game is, and I'm going to explain the game mechanics a little bit. Just a little bit. Because I've only played maybe five hours of the surge that's T-H-E space S-U-R-G-E the surge there used to be a place out here in Vegas called Surge's Wig Shop that's S-E-R-G-E apostrophe S and uh, we knew a kid in high school named Surge Serge and we always used to torment him about it being his wig shop because back then it was right I think it was right next to Flex which was like the most renowned gay nightclub in Las Vegas for as long as I could remember. And Sergi's Wigs was right next door. We used to torture the fuck out of that poor kid um, in PE. 
And we did it because he would just get so angry. And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Why are you pissed? Anyway, it's not like it's a... Eh, whatever. Different times. This is, you know, of course, 1897. This is during... This is right before the first Grant administration. One moment, please. Let me... Ow! Okay, so... Had to stretch out this cramp in my leg. So, the surge begins with you in a wheelchair. And you are on... This is, like, possibly one of the greatest contenders for worst first day at the office in video game history uh, since Doom, Half-Life, Portal, Max Payne, although that wasn't his first day at the office, but this is up there. So you're on a train, you're in a wheelchair, and you're going to work for the Creo Corporation, which is doing all sorts of fucking fan imagineering-tastic Engination and Imagineering for the future of all mankind. Save the world and ourselves and everybody and the environment and we'll all be fully employed. It's great. And they have all these like fucking Microsoft you know kind of styled like YouTube advertisement videos that they play for you on the train and stuff. Um, They fix the environment by healing the ozone layer blah. But you're in a wheelchair. And they have pioneered all this exosuit technology and stuff. So you get off the train and uh, there are a bunch of armed guards and stuff. And you're the only one there. You're the only one on the train. And they announce that the the station is going to be decommissioned soon. But you get to pick your assignment between um, several different job roles. One is a fast kind of exosuit that, you know, makes you more lithe and nimble. The other one is a heavy exosuit that makes you more like a uh, a heavy welder or engineer. Slower, hits harder, more, you know, more like a tank. The other one is more like a uh, more like a motorcycle versus a tank. There you go. So I picked the the one that's more like a motorcycle. I think it's called the Valkyrie or whatever. And this is the type of exosuit that you'll get. And so then you're treated to a cinema sequence. And this is all within the first five minutes of the game. So if you don't want to hear this, right now it is, we are at minute 46 and a half. So go to minute 48 of this podcast and you won't know anything I'm about to tell you. One, two, three, now. So those of you who are still with us, so you're like, okay, cool, yeah, and they give you like, you know, you can go to each room with each different exosuit, you know, blah, 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 because you're signing up for the job. And uh, you wheel your little wheelchair in, and then you're treated to a cinema sequence where you get into this, um, like a dentist chair with metal restraints on the wrists and the ankles and uh, it it sends you a happy little greeting hello whatever the fuck your name is Warren we are about to begin the procedure please just relax and like you hear a drill spinning up and then the next thing you hear is patient has been anesthetized and you are not sedated 
you are not anesthetized. You are not sedated. You're supposed to be unconscious. And that's when it begins drilling in the hard points for the exoskeleton mounts into your actual physical skeleton. You scream and you scream and you scream and then it inserts the neural jack into the back of your brain. The last thing you see before you lose consciousness is faulty power core detected. Removing. You wake up. If you've seen the movie um, Thor Ragnarok, you basically wake up on what looks like the junk world in that movie. And there are all of these drones, this entire automated system. You're in a junkyard, a humongous junkyard, filled with all of these broken rockets. And your job now is to survive against all of these um, drones and other human waste that is supposed to have been eliminated, even though Creo makes no mistakes. Um, and the gameplay centers around uh, it's a very cool thing it's a very grindy style of gameplay but it's also very fast paced and it's a lot of fun it reminds me a lot of this old 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 game called Bioshock that was before the first person uh, 3D shooter Bioshock there was an older Bioshock with a anyway it's more of like an adventure game but with pronounced action elements so you have to kill a lot but one of the coolest things is you're able to target in real time just by using the the right stick um, individual elements of whatever it is that you're attacking uh, individual elements of whatever it is you've locked on to and so like you can target the head or the arm or the left leg or the body or the right leg or the left arm (coughs) now first you're just desperate to survive, um, which is hard, and you will die many times. But the cool thing is, once you upgrade your power core a bunch of times using the scrap uh, in terms of points that you get from killing drones and other, um, you know, demi-human cyborg hybrid monstrosities such as yourself, you are saying they are not. They are like all on this lost work assignment in hell, their own personal hell, which you are now occupying. Um, even though you are connected directly to um, an engineer who is helping you, but she's remote, she's a hologram. Um, it's very grindy, but one of the coolest things is you engineer your own equipment upgrades by crafting them by selecting the part of the body of other cyborgs. This doesn't work for drones. Um, but it also works for bosses. Um, you select the part of the body which you which which you wish to quote unquote cut. After you've hit an enemy a bunch of times in one specific area, like let's say the left leg, because you need better legs, because you're a cripple, but now you can walk. You have an exosuit, which is amazing, but it's not a very good exosuit. So you need to upgrade it and you need to get some weapons too. Um, let's say you want to upgrade the legs so you kill a bunch of guys and you cut off their legs and gather the parts from their legs and then you go back to the med bay and then you're able to craft new, better exosuit legs same thing for the head, same thing for the body same thing for the arms 
Um, weapons are entirely different. You can upgrade them. Everything is upgradable. Um, it it is a very difficult game, but it is absolutely gorgeous, and you don't even notice the difficulty, especially if you're high as fuck, which I am constantly when I play this game. Um, you will have to play through the same sequences over and 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 over again. Like I mean, literally, I've spent three hours just grinding the um, misbegotten cyborgs in the scrapyard, the rocket assembly plant, and the assembly line, and I've not been able to beat the first boss, but I kind of have an approach to him. You will be amazed at how responsive the combat is, and how dynamic, and uh, what do you call it, um... It's filled with possibilities. Like, if you're locked onto something that's going to shoot you with lasers, you can dodge out of the way, or you can duck in place if you're perfectly timed, or jump over them in place if you're perfectly timed. Um, And right now, for me, all the combat is melee-based. So, like, you start off with, like, a, a broken piston. It's a giant broken piston. Looks like it came off of a 747 or something. Um, that's what you use to just crush these drones. And you can attack horizontally or vertically. Horizontal slash, vertical slash. Um, eventually, once you start fighting humanoid uh, cyborg abomination-based opponents, you can take their weapons. And that opens up a whole new host of weapons. So you can upgrade your head. Like, you have a visor that like helps you with targeting and stuff like that. Also, offers negligible armor. Your shoulders, your body, your arms and your legs, and your weapon. And the best weapon that I found is the Vibro Chainsaw, with which you will use once you gain basic facilities at it. And by the way, you gain skill points, not through a tree, but in terms of like your abilities to actually use the shit that's in your inventory, like weapons and stuff, you gain skill points by using them. So it's kind of like a hybrid between uh, the Skyrim experience model, where like, if I jump a million times in place, then eventually I'll get, you know, to uh, to athletics 27 or speed 27 or whatever the fuck. You know what, you know, you know what I mean? Um, it's like a combination of that between that and almost like Shadow Run or like uh, any standard art role-playing game. Um, because you can't buy the experience points for weapon specialties. You just have to use that weapon or that type of weapon and you will rank up. And what this means is that you can rank up far beyond the limits of your actual equipment. Like I'm like level 12 or 13 in single handed weapons. Um, my power core is like level 33 or 32 or something like that. That I upgraded with scrap. Um, everything else in terms of like my uh, exosuit and stuff has been upgraded fully for where I am because it re- th- those require different materials along with scrap um, and you have to kill more difficult enemies to get the better components and stuff. It's very cool and the graphics are amazeballs and the action is fantastic and the story is almost as good as when you first woke up from System Shock. If you've never played System Shock, you need to play System Shock, the original. Um, That is 
also in the pantheon of the top 10 all-time greatest worst first days at the office games. This is definitely a candidate. It belongs with that pantheon so far. I've only played about five hours of it, but that's what I'm playing. That's why these are not reviews. It's a feature. It's called What I Am Playing. Um, And finally, in our What I Am Playing, uh, I want to mention this game did not work via Proton when it when I first bought it, and I want to say this was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, this is like one of the first games after I got Tekken 7 to run via Proton. So that's like fucking five months ago, six months ago, ten years ago. Who knows? I can't remember. It's so difficult to keep track of time. Every week, you still start from zero with this podcast. But Pac-Man Championship Edition DX Plus did not work for me via Proton months ago. Thankfully, I don't know if it was switching to the NVIDIA 418 drivers or if it was switching to Proton 4.2 or if they actually updated the game, but thankfully, due to my subscription, which I always forget about, Every other month, I these days I've trained myself to remember almost every two months. Go check out your humble bundle subscription. See what fucking keys have accumulated. You know, blah. Um, I got Pac-Man Championship Edition DX Plus, which retails for uh nine dollars and ninety nine cents currently at full price. This game, I hate Pac-Man. I know that uh, last year we did a very favorable review of um, the other Pac-Man game, the one that actually will run natively. Uh, What the fuck? What? Oh, no, 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 not recent. I want to do Steam OS. I can't remember the name of the other fucking Pac-Man game. Oh, Jesus, this is pissing me off. Pac-Man 256. I'm sorry that took so long. Pac-Man 256, which actually has, I think, native Linux support. Um, That game is really good. And I thought that game was a triumph because I hate Pac-Man and that game actually made me like Pac-Man. That game is pussy shit in comparison to Pac-Man Championship Edition DX+. $9.99. This game is from 2013, so it's about six years old. This is the ultimate be-all and end-all here of Pac-Man. I fucking love this game. Um, I would go into detail explaining it to you. Apart from like the visual upgrade, one of the best things is it's like a cross between Pac-Man and Geometry Wars 2 Retro Evolved in the classic mode. So every time you... So you pick which map you want to play and you unlock them eventually. And each map is an, is an event in which you are ranked against global leaderboards and your friends. Um, you have five minutes in this game. Interesting tweaks to Pac-Man Championship Edition DX Plus. 
are that all of the things that you hated about Pac-Man, like, you know, getting killed by ghosts, um, living in fear of ghosts, um, ghosts, and also ghosts and power pellets and weird uh, fruit iconography are basically eliminated. You have five minutes to get as many pellets as you can and to eat as many ghosts as you can and to get as many super fruit iconography along with tech iconography these you know like cherries or pears or um apricots or apricots depending on which coast you live on um as possible you want to get the highest score you can in five minutes and that's what happens new additions are slow motion automatic effect anytime you get close to a ghost where you don't have the superpower pellet active like if they're going to hurt you anytime you get really close to them or they're about to get close to you the game goes into slow motion which is fantastic because that in no way eliminates the tension or the terror but it does enable you to make really fine grained exact exact um, turns like let's say there's two places where you can turn right and they're within you know like one block of space so it's like three blocks of space and in the middle is like the barrier wall between them and you want the first one not the second one and because there's ghosts coming up your ass and there's a ghost coming to your left you can now totally easily seamlessly and instantly make the exact precision right turn that you need to make or you know left turn or whatever the fuck also you have the ability to blast away ghosts which um all of this affects your overall score like ideally you should be able to just fucking eat up all the pellets in the entire universe everywhere at all times instantly but that's sadly would leave, leave us without a very fun game. This game, however, is super fucking fun. And as you climb the leaderboards, and as you see yourself ranked against your friends, and as you unlock new power-ups and stuff like that, it is everything that Pac-Man 256, everything that I like about Pac-Man 256, but way better. It is not an endless roguelike, though. And, uh, if I remember correctly, this is like what the tournament for Pac-Man championships, it's always going to be this game. At least for the foreseeable future. Or it has been for six years. Something like that. I don't know. I don't follow Pac-Man. I hate Pac-Man. I love this fucking game. Okay, and now, finally, we'll close our show. So, uh, let, let me go back and just remind you of what we, what I've been playing this week. Risk of Rain 2! Cheers and props and thanks to Boldy Lockers for helping me out with getting someone else's uh, stability opinion. I'm sure that game will improve long before it leaves early access and absolutely certain that by the time it does leave early access it will be completely polished in terms of multiplayer etc because they did a great port of it for Linux themselves years ago and they are they are the people behind Risk of Rain are really 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 excellent developers at least conscientious in terms of their quality assurance passes um, also we've been playing Sigura which we are about to go play as soon as we drop the mic on this. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Um, and 
Then we've also been playing The Surge, S-U-R-G-E, where you take on the role of a former uh, quadriplegic, now suddenly mounted with exoskeletal uh, hard points with which you can find out what's really going on at Creo Corporation, your new employer. And then we also had Pac-Man Championship Edition DX+. Now, for the deals, we'll do this sans music, we'll do this really super fast, as fast as we possibly can, because we've already gone over an hour. First of all, in the deals, first off, there's Dex, D-E-X, which is like a cross between a side-scrolling platformer and the original top-down shadow run. It is a far-flung futuristic science fiction RPG similar to Blade Runner um, set in a side-scrolling universe with actual platformer and combat pl- platformer-based combat and jumping and stuff like that and enemies but with a full upgrade path and an elaborate tech tree and incredibly involved in-depth story with lots of characters in a dystopian far-flung future. It's one of the first games that we ever covered on this podcast uh, almost five years ago now. We're definitely over four and a half years. Um, Dex, right now, through April 8th, so that would be today's Friday, April 5th, is 80% off at $3.99. That is a fantastic deal. Even if you hate that game, you know, you buy it, you give it, you know, two hours of your life, you can't get the two hours of your life back, but that's if you hate the game, it is still worth $4, and I don't know how you could really, truly hate Dex, D-E-X, female protagonist as well, um, although that's not something I've ever noted, I think it's the first time that I've, oh, no, 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 we, we, we mentioned female protagonist as, um, as a, a thing uh, for the Tomb Raider games. Anyway, so that's Dex. Now through April 8th, 80% off at $3.99. This game does not go on sale that often. It is an older game. It's about four years old, five years old. But it is still very good. Also, a game that I will be playing later on this weekend is called 3030. That's as in 3030. Death War... Redux, D-E-A-T-H-W-A-R, space, R-E-D-U-X, is it like rabbit redux, or returns, or whatever. Um, 3030 uh, Death War Redux is 50% off, now through, also through April 8th, at $7.49. This looks like a hybrid of a roguelike with the old school Maniac Mansion style point and clicker base adventure games crossed also with space combat, like in terms of in your spaceship, you can combat and explore all these procedurally generated galaxies and fight all these procedure, you know, all these, you know, different enemies in space, but then you can land on like ships and other planets and stuff and it goes into a procedurally generated um, point and clicker old fashioned inventory based role playing game, I'm looking very much forward to playing 3030 uh, Death War Redux. It looks like it has a wicked sense of humor too. Um, I have not tried to get it to run yet so I don't know if it actually works but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. 
and let's hope it doesn't suck. But at still, at seven dollars and forty nine cents, seven dollars and fifty cents. Fuck it, I'll try it. So right now, if you bought that game and if you bought thirty thirty Death War Redux and Dex together, um, that would be uh eleven dollars and forty nine cents for two games. And finally, in our deals, um. One of another one of the game, another one of the first games that we ever covered on this show, Unepic. That's U N capital E, no space, P I C, Unepic, as in like the opposite of something that is glorious and epic. Unepic is a fucking hilarious send up of the side scrolling Metroidvania RPG and DND both real-life worlds and game cultures and folkways and mores between the two. Um, you go to the bathroom, you get drunk at a Dungeons & Dragons party, or D- Dungeons & Dragons night uh, at your friend's house, you go to the bathroom, and uh, you open up the bathroom door, and you're in a dungeon. And the dialogue is hilarious, the characters are hilarious, it is a fantastic game. I am not checked back recently, it's been like literally three years since I've played on Epic at all, I haven't gone back to see if they have better controller support, which is one of the major handicaps that kept me from getting completely sucked into an Epic for all time and eternity um, but now, through April 10th on Epic is 60% off at $5.19 and that'll do is take us out, Ivor. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Um, next week, we will be back with, hopefully, a recounting of the secular action. Be sure to visit our friends, Boldy, and check us out on our Twitch stream. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. That'll do us. Sante, my friends. And check out Linux Fest Northwest. You, if you live in the con- contiguous continental United States, or if you live in Hawaii, it's probably faster to get to the Pacific Northwest from Hawaii than it is to get from Las Vegas, but whatever. I don't know. Geography is not my strong suit. <coughs> um, check out Linux Fest Northwest. It is free to attend, by the way. Um, although I would recommend that you donate uh, 80 bucks to get a badge just so you can support them to keep it free if, if, if you have the money. Um, I always buy a badge. <laughs> Uh, you can get uh, more information about about all the speakers and stuff at Linux Fest Northwest at, uh, I think it's linuxfestnorthwest.com. Let me make sure about that, though, and then we will finally uh, evaporate Linux Fest Northwest. Yeah, linuxfestnorthwest.org, all one word. 20th anniversary this year. That'll be the week after next... No. That'll be three weeks from now. So in three Fridays, three Fridays from now, we will be doing this show again, live from LFNW. Check it out. Cheers, thanks for listening. Catch you later. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right Four or five times It is I, E.B. Farnham Maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink And if I die, I'm gonna try Four or five times
Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada e. Four or five times. Matt Damon. The computer is now ready. Please wait while I initialize the system. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I. E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.